You're listening to the Art of Floating podcast. back to another episode of the Art of Floating podcast, where float centers thrive. It's a weekly podcast where we tell our stories of running our float centers. And basically, if it's 3 a.m. and you're covered in salt, uh, you have a friend in the industry here. So we'll be sharing our ups and downs. We like to give tips on starting and running your own float center. And we like to also give news updates from around the world on what's going on in floating, as, as well as provide interviews with people in the industry. So... Um, you can find us on Facebook at The Art of Floating. You can find us on Twitter at Artful Floating. And you can join the conversation on the show here by leaving a speak pipe. It's like leaving a voicemail on your computer at theartoffloating.com. There's a gold bar on the left side of the screen. And uh, you can leave a voicemail and we'll play it and discuss uh, your question or your opinion. And uh, today we actually have a really cool speak pipe I'm excited to share with you guys. Uh, we should introduce people, huh? Amy Grimes, Float Nashville. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing fantastic. Greetings from the frozen south. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> How many inches, inches of snow? Three? Three inches shut down the city. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Glad to be here, though. Cool. Excellent. Lance Foss up in Canada. Red Deer. Hello, everyone. Hello. Um, and I'm Dylan Calm. I own the float shop in Portland, Oregon. And just as like a, a little bit of a reset here in case anybody's tuning into the show for the first time in 2016, I know we've covered this in the past, but I own a three float tank center with other modalities such as massage, acupuncture, therapy. Um, we're working on a fourth float tank um, literally as we speak. We have somebody tiling a shower in that room. Amy, what's, what does your float center look like? Oh, I currently have an 1,100 square foot three float tank center. Cool. Very small, um, but cozy, and we love it, and getting ready to expand. Nice. And you have some big news today, is that right? Yeah. Okay, right. so, yeah, I do. I've, I've been celebrating. Um, celebrating as best I can. Uh, we have been working for six and a half months to find funding for a new location, which includes purchasing the building and expanding to a 5,200-square-foot facility. And I should say, we're, we're not moving. We're actually adding a second second location. And uh, yesterday, right before I walked out the door for a meeting, we got an email. And we were offered funding for the entire project. Entire project. And so uh, we, we're bootstrappers out here. So is that like 60K? Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we're looking at... Um, a pretty high six-figure number. Really? Uh, which we did bootstrap, by the way. We bootstrapped our first one. We are working on a new concept. It's still going to be a float center, but we are adding some things. And the reason why it's such a high number, it's not because we're putting in an extravagant float tank center or a big spa, uh, but we are purchasing a building. Uh, so I am older. I, I think I'm the oldest. I think y'all are probably young enough to be my children. <laughs> um, so I have to start thinking about things like uh, retirement and how I'm going to uh, to fund that. So uh, our goal going forward is to try to gather some assets, which is why this mm. seems like a much bigger project than it is. Um, so this is a really exciting thing for us. Now, that said, um, we were offered the money. Now, some of the terms have changed. We do have mm. some negotiation okay. to do. So last night we were able to celebrate um, actually actually uh the fact that somebody gave us offered us money because that in and of itself is pretty yeah. amazing cool. um somebody believes in us and that feels really really good uh but uh as of next week i'll be able to tell you i have to sign the agreement um by next week and put down some of my own money so okay. uh, when we get together next week i'll be able to tell you right, whether cool. we are able to come to an agreement <laughs> or or not wow. or we might be back to square one so <laughs> so this might be a really short-lived celebration but but, but the I'll celebration take it. I'll take now it. is just that somebody yeah. would even consider that would be willing somebody, to make that kind of offer. Yeah, somebody believes in us that much. That's awesome. And, and I, 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 since I'm here with a bunch of entrepreneurs, I think you'll you'll understand this. You know, we've been working so hard for six and a half months to get this money. Um, we've been fighting. We have come up against every obstacle imaginable, mm -hmm. and we finally got this email. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> For 30 seconds, then it's like, oh, shoot. Um, <laughs> we got the money. I am going to be working my yeah. butt off 
for the next, you know, two years back to 130 hour weeks um, at work. So, you know, uh, but, but, but it's really important. I do feel it's really, really important to take time to celebrate those little things. Sometimes we forget to do that. It's entrepreneurs, we're on to the next thing before we even have a chance to, to celebrate. And so we tried to make a big deal out of that last night. We, we popped open some bubbly. <laughs> Nice. Good for you. Good Congratulations. Times. Congratulations. You. My goodness. Yes. That's <laughs> exciting. You. Wow. So exciting. Wow. That can mean such huge things. Nice. And it really does put you on a timeline for the next at least two years, huh? Yeah. That's it very does. interesting. Hardcore. You know what you're up to. <laughs> no turning back now. No turning back. We're going to see what I'm made of. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Man, as if the first two years didn't didn't tell. My goodness. <laughs> well, well, but you know what? They didn't destroy me. So let's hope this, uh, this just makes us stronger. Um, uh, that's a really good point to take the time to celebrate wins. That's something I think Sandra and I just suck at. Or at least I can definitely speak for myself. As soon as we complete some kind of project, it's it's just that's an opportunity to start the next project, you know, yep. just to get to that next step forward. And take, I, I have a difficult time appreciating my own accomplishments and, and particularly with the business. It's It's very difficult to, like, what am I celebrating? Like, why am I... I, I don't know. Does that make any sense? Do you guys yeah. have that feeling ever? Yeah, like, yeah. As entrepreneurs, I don't, you know, I, I don't know about y'all, but nothing is ever good enough. It's like mm. uh, what I did, I did yesterday. So what am I going to do now? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I do struggle with that as well. Lance? Yeah, no, I just have a hard time finding the time to celebrate. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's, that's usually the biggest thing. If it's not the time, then it's my wallet. <laughs> but, um, I feel like I'm just building up to a bigger celebration. I'm just right. waiting yes. to celebrate. But yeah. I think it's very inflet- it's very important to to stop and think about what you've done and how far you've done because yeah. we often forget all the, the sacrifice and work we've put into something and without looking back is... Um, you know, it's not good, but I'm, I'm speaking to a bunch of people who float. So spend some time in the float tank in your own center and you can feel what you've done. Right. You can feel. That's right. And, and just to add to that, remember, celebration doesn't have to be a big deal. We had a we mm. had a 12 bottle, $12 bottle of Prosecco. So, you know, <laughs> nice. and I 12, drank it 12. really, really fast. So <laughs> you have to, right? Yeah, that's right, because we're on to the next thing. I actually oh, right, uh, yeah. had four more pages of things I have to uh, complete now. So it was. It was a very fast celebration. Lance, you had an interesting point of, like, there's a, you're aiming for something big. There's this big thing. I don't know what my big thing is to finally celebrate. You know, I just know we have more plans. There's more things to do, and we want to continue growing and developing. And so it's like, at what point do you stop and go, hey, Dylan, nice work. Pat myself on the back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so just have some kind of landmarks to celebrate. You'll probably feel better too, and time will seem less nebulous and just streaming past you. Nice. That's true. That's mm-hmm. true. Yeah, I don't know the big thing I'm celebrating either. I'm just, it just feels like, I don't know, it's maybe just an excuse. I just feel like there will be a day where it's like, okay, let's celebrate. Let's, right. let's celebrate. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> but at the same time, I think being an entrepreneur running a flow center comes with its own kind of high, like this daily buzz that you get from, I, I don't, I, I just would assume you don't get from the nine to five, just when you're running your own business and it's it's happening and it has its own momentum and it just has, you just have this presence, this mm-hmm. uh, sense of ownership, something that, that feeds you maybe some kind of dopamine or something like that, that, that I don't think you get from the standard nine to five. Oh, I totally agree. And as entrepreneurs, and I know, I know the way you guys work, um, same thing. You are excited by the challenge. The challenge Mm -hmm. is the reward. I love it. (laughs) I am scared to death. I am terrified of this because I've never dealt with a project this big before. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, that's what I live for. This is great. I'm going to be, you know balls of the wall for the next two years and I'm going to love every minute of it and it's going to be fun <laughs> and I'm going to you know come up against every obstacle that I'm going to be miserable about the time but when I look at right. it overall it's going to be the best freaking year okay. ever I'm glad you said you're going to be miserable because I was just making a note that Amy's not going to put anything negative on her Facebook page it's all positive <laughs> for the next two years <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay so there's oh. some misery in there yeah oh absolutely <laughs> you have to have the misery so you can feel the high and sometimes even the, the tough times, like you really enjoy 
the miserable parts. Mm. And maybe sometimes it's easier when I'm doing it with my wife. Like we're both not sleeping tonight and doing this. So there's something kind of special to that. Um, those those little those are things. Memories. They are memories. I, or <laughs> so delirious you don't remember, which is good too. Because <laughs> there was also a horrible fight in there that we don't remember. So that's nice. That's good. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Um, Lance, can you describe your float center for anybody who's tuning in for the first time or who uh, never heard? Yeah, I have a float center in Red Deer, Alberta, Canada. Um, we have two tanks right now. Our third is on our way. We also have about about 2,000 square feet or more of undeveloped space that is um, potential for almost anything. So we have some plans with what we're going to do with it, but uh, can't just reveal that all right now. So Okay, cool. Um, That's all right. Um, I have a so I guess I just want to talk about the show topic today. But basically, today is a little bit about um, community feedback. Uh, some some responses we've received. So we'll be playing a speak pipe and um, Facebook message, and we'll we'll be giving our opinions and feedback on on some things that have come our way. But when you mentioned two float tanks, I'm adding a fourth float tank. Amy has two float tanks, is adding a or excuse me, three float tanks, and is adding a um, new center. What amount of what number of float tanks do you need to be comfortable financially? I know there are a million variables, and we're probably going to start getting into that <laughs> rent. I, but but can you and how many owners do you have at your center, Lance? There's two owners, okay. and we have two employees. Okay. Uh, but I think to comfortably run a float center, you need to start with at least three. Okay. At least three tanks. Um, running off two, uh, we projected this in our business plan too. We'll be able to do it. We'll be able to pay the bills. We'll be able to hire employees. But to really start turning a profit, um, the third and fourth tank need to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, more so, it's not necessarily because we're 100% booked, but come evenings and weekends, we're turning an average of four people away a day. Mm-hmm. And you add that up over a year, and that is <laughs> a, a substantial amount of money that is lost due to not making um, these quote-unquote small investment uh the float tank would have been i would agree with that i know with three tanks we can still run it with one person uh, which allows us to maximize um maximize what we've got Mm -hmm. and still keep our overhead down nice Uh, once we (laughs) move to four that's going to have to change a little bit so uh yeah so it's all about how much how much uh can you do uh with the space that you have and still yeah, keep uh, your overhead low. Well, so, I mean, I don't want to pry too much. I mean, share what you want. But with three float tanks, do you feel like if you weren't expanding, do you think you could live comfortably? Uh, no. Interesting. Okay. Uh, you know, yeah, I. Uh, it will It will make, we, we can let it run on its own, and we can provide uh, some people with some decent salaries. Mm-hmm. But we as owners won't make mm-hmm. anything off of it and and we're very limited in fact that's why one of the reasons we really pushed to grow this year is we're at our capacity mm-hmm. we can't do anything more the only thing we're focusing on right now is maximizing the per uh the per service cost per service um and decreasing our overhead as much as possible decreasing their expenses as much as possible and then once we and then of course getting as many people in the tank as possible we're trying to get that up to about 85 percent consistently and at that point what else do you do mm-hmm. you're limited mm-hmm. we can't go anywhere else so raise the that prices. was a big you can raise prices a little bit but still in the end eh, mm-hmm. is it ever going to make that much of a difference mm-hmm. and it just got it just got very frustrating right for us right yeah. Yeah, when you have big dreams and you can't can't fulfill them. Yeah. You feel like you're hitting your head up against the wall yep, over exactly. and over again. Now, that <laughs> said, it could be very comfortable for some. I can see um mm. I can see two people running this and be extremely happy mm-hmm. and it's absolutely perfect. Um Yeah, it all I depends on overhead. I mean, we have a lot going on with the float shop, but the big money makers are the float tanks. We have 3 of them and the massage acupuncture and i mean we have a whole nother building that we we rent out that's very expensive and so like so much of our money goes into the rent but only three float tanks are pardon the pun but floating um the the bills and sandra and i i think live well like live comfortably and um 
I think if we, and we each work about 10 hours a week in the shop, and I think if we each worked 40 hours a week or something like that and, you know, didn't have bigger plans for the business that we would, um, uh, kind of like, I don't know, like a local restaurant, they're just, that that's their gig, they're not working on their brand, um, it's just that that's what they deliver. If we decided that's our aim and, and uh, had a lifestyle business, then... Um, I think we would be extremely comfortable and have wealth with that, um, and, and wealth being, you know, more money than we spend, have, have money in savings, and be able to contribute to that. Um, and that can be very satisfying. So right. I, I think mm-hmm. there's certainly space for that, mm-hmm. especially yeah. if, if two people can really refine that. And that is the fun part of it. Quite frankly, I'm going to miss out on some of the fun as we start in this new space, but. That really is part of the fun of it, refining it, seeing how perfect you can get that float, mm. seeing just how beautifully you can get the place to run. And yeah, I, I, there's nothing, absolutely, I wasn't saying anything. Hopefully, I didn't come across them saying anything against that. Um, it's just no. a personal. No, yeah. I, I it's it's what, what excites me and what what gets me going in the morning. So I had a lot of fun. <laughs> um, and I'm going to have a lot of fun at the next place, next adventure. So. I know there are people that do run two tank centers and are doing well off it, but it's all what you want to get out of it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I guess, you know, my needs or wants may be different than someone else's. So if you're, if you want to start a two tank center, don't let what we just said deter you from doing it, do it, give it. And there is potential to do it. You can do it, but it's um, just maybe not for everyone. And just understand the financial ramifications for like not being able to expand past two, that kind of thing. Yeah, mm. because just like all of our float centers are kind of a manifestation of us, like they, they kind of become a physical representation of what we are. I think our businesses in the long term are exactly the same thing. Like somebody, some people are going to be very content with, again, kind of having that, that lifestyle business, that this is their home, this is their shop or float shop, or or it's um, consistently being refined or expanding, Amy, or expanding, Um you're going to feed your business that way too. And so maybe kind of being honest with yourself beforehand and and knowing what it is that you want to do. I mean, Sandra and I were talking about franchising before we ever opened a float center. Like, well, this is the plan. And then we realized how much work goes into our center and how much um, we don't have it perfect. And I don't know that anybody has it perfect, but I want to keep working on this puppy until I feel like uh, that, that mythical time Lance talks about where you celebrate uh, when, once we hit that then then maybe we'll go back to those fantasies but um, I didn't have a very good understanding of who I was as a business person when we first opened um, and I, I don't know if you can to be honest it is a very fluid thing what you what you perceive um, my ideas have changed so very much mm. from the beginning um, so I think that's the that's the fun part is it can be anything what and what you start maybe you want to start with a two tank center and then you love it, and then suddenly one day you wake up, and it's time to try something else, <laughs> yeah. and it's okay. That's what it's all about. It's having fun. With that being said, just as a general rule of thumb, I've always encouraged people to leave space for expansions and to even do the plumbing and everything that goes into those extra rooms for float tanks. And I know the float tanks are generally the biggest purchase. Um, go ahead and start with two or you know whatever the number is that you can afford allow yourself that chance to grow um, it would would be my encouragement that's just the general kind of rule of thumb I, I encourage for people would you guys agree with that I would totally agree especially okay. with the plumbing thing get your plumbing in it's so much more expensive and so much more difficult to go back later especially in my case every place I'm going into we're gonna tear up floors mm. if I have to tear up floors a year from now I'm gonna have to shut down <laughs> the entire place where if I'm just yeah. building a room around plumbing that's there um, I'm in much better shape, and it's so plumbing. Oh, plumbing. <laughs> plumbing, electrical, soundproofing, everything. Yeah, we definitely got a space with uh, growing and expansion in mind, but it's definitely, with the way we've been doing it, somewhat of the bootstrap process. Mm-hmm. It's definitely been slow getting there. Mm-hmm. It'd almost be nice just to go and, you know, get that loan and just get it done, but that's that's not what we're going to do. Yeah. Um, luckily for us, for plumbing, we're on the second floor, so it's not too difficult to, you know, punch through the floor. Um, we have actually wood subfloors in our float rooms, so not no concrete or anything. So it's as simple as basically drilling a hole and dropping our plumbing through a drop ceiling in the basement. So, 
Whenever somebody says it's as easy as, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's just the word easy, I, I assume it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> well, we did for our first three rooms, and, plumbed in. And but. So did you add your third room while you were open, or did all three go in at the same time? We did plumbing, so we've, we're set up for five float rooms. We nice. did plumbing for three of them mm-hmm. at one time, and then we'll still have to do the other two okay. um, the, at the end. The but. reason I ask is because I think... Um, like it seems like something can be so simple, but then you realize you can only do construction when you're closed. I mean, that's what we're going through is we only do construction on Tuesdays. Um, or you go, we shut down for a week or for three days or whatever it is. Plus, you know, always had to have some buffer time and all of a sudden, well, that's lost revenue and it's revenue you, you start depending on, but then you go, okay, it's worth doing this install, but then we have employees and they depend on us. Um, and so we have this machine that needs to keep, keep operating and then all of a sudden it's much more complicated to get something done it takes way longer to get something done um Mm -hmm. so like if you if you plumbed a fourth room would you be able to do that easy enough that you wouldn't have to shut down um actually the plumbing no we probably wouldn't have to shut down it'd be as simple when I say it's be simple, it's it's the plumbers doing that side sure. of it, not us. But ours, <laughs> you punch a hole through right. the ground, and then the one pipe would just go to the drainage, the main drainage pipe that we've already installed. So I don't think we would have to shut huh. down for that. There's a lot of things we do where we do have to shut down for. Um, but the only thing you really brought up that really rings a bell for me is the employees, how they depend on us. Because I was going to say, well... If you're doing construction before you're open, you're still not making money. You're doing construction while you have to shut down. You're not making money. But the point you have with your employees is as you become a business owner and you have employees, they're depending on you to put to pay their rent, to pay their food, to pay everything. And that's something I'm still getting used to. We're trying to comprehend that someone <laughs> depends on right? how we run our business. and. A lot of times I forget about that, but that's, I shouldn't. I'm sorry, Bruce and, and Danielle. I'm so sorry. I don't actually forget about you. I'm just, it, uh, yeah, that's a good point. Um, I, but as our, const- sorry. I was just going to say, I used to lose sleep because are we going to make enough money? And then it was, as soon as we were secure enough to have employees, it was losing sleep over, are we going to always be able to pay our employees? And it was like a good six month run for the employee one. Well, I'll tell you, if you don't get any sleep, you know, you're going to have troubles. You got to get some sleep and then it'll be a lot easier. (laughs) Make sure you get some sleep. That's easier said than done sometimes. (laughs) Like I was up at 530 this morning painting. (laughs) How's that coming along, by the way? Um, I'm pretty good. We had a little bit of a setback today. Um, Sandra and I woke up at 530. It's a little bit of an inside joke. Every time uh, Amy, Lance, and I get on Skype, we talk about our day a little bit. And I always talk about the long-ass day I've had and all the work I've been putting in. <laughs> and Lance will say, I've been under a pickup working for 48 hours straight. I've been breathing <laughs> grease. I, I have gills now. And he'll just have something that will absolutely crush what I think is a tough day. Amy just knocks me out of the water. I mean, just... My, what I consider to be tough work is nothing compared to these two. So anyway, I usually wake up, get out of bed around 10 a.m. Um, that's with a good 30 minutes of, you know, just enjoying being in bed. Nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're up at 530, which for us, at least to me, is very early. And, and hardcore. I think it's, it was a hardcore for me, man. That's, hardcore yeah. lifestyle. We got too. up and we painted. It's it's um this interesting stuff you put into paint that makes it... Um, uh, salt proof well proof in quotation marks but it's something that they paint on on ships so um it's it does have some good good strength to it um sandra is actually the one who who did the research on that one so i'll have to come back on another episode to talk more about that but i still do plan on at least one full episode being quite the expose on on our expansion and everything and really breaking things down so um i'll save that for another another episode but um yeah we painted um it was it was actually it was a good amount of fun and um, it was all in prep for the floors being installed this morning. We're, we're getting the, uh, what is it, Ultramarine 40, Ultramarine something, the floors they have in Liber, which I just fell in love with when we went down there. And um, they show up. Uh, this is the second time they've shown up. The first time they showed up to do the install. And uh, 
the floating floor that we have was moving um, as you walk, which a floating floor can do. I mean, it, it's not it's not like a floating floor and then it has a hardwood floor on top of it, you know, holding it in place. It's sitting on all of these cubes. Um, it's not floating just like it's sitting on the floor and it can move left and right and expand with the, the temperature or humidity. It's, it's sitting on top of these sound isolation cubes. Um, it's really cool and and actually I think if you go back on my Twitter I have a little stop motion or a time lapse of that being installed if you want to see what that looks like. Um, I'll post it on uh, on the page, the artofloating.com as well. Um, but anyway, because it's not completely flush with the ground all the way across, it moves. And so this is designed to be put on something like cement, something that's really solid. And he, he just said, I, I can't, it's supposed to run up the walls. So if it goes up to the wall and people are moving the floor up and down, that's just going to crack and break it immediately. So um, our contractor came up with this really ingenious way of doing this which was first um, laying two by twos along the entire perimeter of the room um, which actually really stabilized the floor itself which was cool but not not the exact effect we were looking for although it's fine but the um, flooring will be going up that two by four and then there'll just be a three inch flap after that which will then be um, sealed behind a gasket and a particular caulking whose name I can't Dinoflex is that is that a caulking again this this part is a little bit beyond me at the moment it's my contractor who's really figured this out working with um, one of the guys at um, doing the installation so I'll try to give a better description of that in the future but basically they've they've figured out a workaround that's really gonna be just a big test we'll just have to see if this really works or not and if it doesn't that's gonna be a very expensive mistake <clears throat> So now that we have the perimeters going around, um, we painted the room just in time, had a good time. The installers show up just as we're putting up the last of the paint, um, and they ask where the flooring is. Well, they had left it with us last time. Cool. Uh, go get the flooring. Where's the flooring? In the back room, no? No? Where's the flooring? Emily! Emily, where's the flooring? Uh, it's outside somebody had put it outside well just like when you do construction and you need to bring your lumber inside to acclimate or, or if you like install a hardwood floor that's a really important time where you need it to acclimate um uh an employee had put it outside to uh save some space because things have been pretty crowded with construction stuff and they couldn't do the installation because it needs 72 hours to acclimate so that just pushed our installation back by a week um because we can't have them do an installation until next tuesday i mean yeah, we, we just can't. Mm. Um, technically, we could get them in on Monday, but then what's the point, you know? So yeah. might as well just do it Tuesday, and uh, which means it also needs 72 hours to dry or to harden or whatever it is before we can put a giant, you know, a heavy piece of machinery on top of it. So uh, it was a bit of a punch in the gut um, to, to not have them install that this morning. I mean, we have a timeline that we're, we're really trying hard to stick to. We've only had to revise it once before, so... Uh, Sandra and I uh, rarely go out for breakfast, but it was one of those times where we had to go and just commiserate a little bit. I was pissed. I was really upset. It's it's rare that I'm vocally pissed off and upset, but uh, that was one of those times. And you know, it wasn't at anybody. It was just at the situation. And that I just want I just want that tank open. I want to be hooking up the electrical and the plumbing and everything with that thing. You know, I want this to be moving. And and I had this visual in my head. That I had to, you know, kind of update, update my head for. Uh, oh, man. <sighs> yes, but there is a little bit of a—I don't know if silver lining is the right word—but there was, well, the silver lining is that our tiling guy is still working, so he can just work without um, potentially damaging the floor, which is awesome. I, I don't mind that whatsoever. Oh, a plus. So that's a big plus. So that's cool. But there was some really interesting news um, from Emily, our employee Emily, who I was yelling at earlier trying to get information on the flooring well she had given out some really interesting news to me um, earlier that morning to Sandra and I and you know she showed up for Tuesday cleaning day uh, probably 30 minutes early I, I don't know didn't didn't know there are other people awake at this hour but um, <laughs> there she was which by the way um, 
I, I get into the shop um, probably 5.45 in the morning and I realize I need to grab something out of the basement next door. I walk outside and I see, I don't know if it's a coyote, I don't think it was a wolf, but something from the national park we have up the street. He was just running down the street, this beautiful animal. I don't know if this happens every time the sun is down. I don't, I don't know what <laughs> life is like, but that was just incredible. Sorry, sorry for the tangent there. So Emily comes in and she says, guys, can I talk to you guys at some point? Can I get a few minutes of your time at some point today? And Sandra and I just turn around, stare at her, and just uh, she realizes the meeting is right now. You know, it, it's not happening later. And um, she, uh, I'm probably going to get the title wrong here, but she tells us that she got a job offer in San Francisco to um, work in an anorexia clinic, a wellness center. Um, and I, I want to say therapist, but I don't, a counselor um, for um, people suffering from anorexia. And she has taken the job, uh, which is super effing exciting if anybody knows the story of Emily. Um, yeah. So uh, that's, that's really cool for us. And it's also brutal once you put the boss hat back on um, <laughs> because she's just become amazing. And if I can take a moment, I'll just walk people real, real quickly through this. First of all, she has a book. Um, Unsinkable, I believe. Thank you. Unsinkable. You can you can actually read it for free on emilykatenoran.com. The link will be on, on our website. Um, and you can buy the book as well, which is a must in any float center. Um, it's a quick read, which is great, which means that your customers will actually like start talking to you about the book right away. They'll be moved by it and in, inspired by floating. But anyway, going on a tangent here. Um, I guess I'm going on a lot of tangents today, but... Um, Emily was anorexic. She was a drug addict, and sh her life was a mess. Um, and as she's stated many times to me and, and in her book, she was going to die from her addiction. Um, she was incredibly unhealthy. Um, she was roommates with Sandra years before, um, had been completely out of contact. Um, she was very introverted during that time. She didn't socialize at all with, with Sandra, is, is what I gather. Um, and she just reached out to Sandra and I think just kind of opened up to, to Sandra about what was going on in her life. I'll try to make this a little bit faster. I'm sorry. It, it, it's an amazing story. But um, long story short, she started floating. She started floating a ton. She started floating at the float shop, being embarrassed by how much she was floating, and then also started floating at Float On just so each didn't know how much she was floating because she thought maybe we thought, she was weird or something um we love people floating as much as they want she didn't have to worry about that whatsoever but then she wanted she she found um so much reprieve with the float tanks um and with her anorexia in regards to the float tanks and reduction of her signs of anorexia that she wanted to start contributing her life in a way through with the float tanks and wanted to work at the float shop and um she would she just wasn't ready in our opinion she didn't meet the caliber of what we wanted from an employee at, at the shop and um she kept floating she started volunteering she consistently volunteered she started doing things beyond what a volunteer would be asked of and just taking so much ownership and then we realized her personality was changing and she, you could have just these conversations with her where she was completely right there with you it wasn't she wasn't it, it's, it's hard to describe, but she was becoming a, a new person. It was incredible. We hire her, and then she becomes a superstar employee and just um, becomes just this amazing person and employee. And now she's going off to, to truly manifest her dream of, of helping people through anorexia. So very excited. Emily. Right? Yeah. Ugh. <sighs> it's really cool. Very exciting. And yeah, for anybody who saw her at the float conference or anything like that, I'm sure you're celebrating with us right now too. Uh, we also had an employee meeting where she announced it to everybody and it was it's very bittersweet. Everybody's so excited and happy for her, but hmm. <sighs> it's going to be hard to see her go. Um, but it's the right thing. You know, it's absolutely the right thing. Mm. <sighs> That's my big update for the week. Awesome. I yeah. love it. I love that she's growing and mm -hmm. finding her place yeah and I know it's hard it's hard when you lose a good employee I oh right we've had a, we've lost a few ourselves that have gone on to bigger and better things mm -hmm. but um man it, you're happy but it really <laughs> is tough it's tough to let them go 
Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I feel like a parent who's like, no, just keep keep living here. Stay here. You, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you got to spread your wings. Got to fly. <laughs> um, yeah, it's cool. Lance, did you want to give a little update? CFC stuff? Yeah, I don't have too much of an update, but yeah, we just had our first board meeting of 2016. And we're just moving along pretty well with um, getting ready to be reviewed by the National Health Practitioners of Canada. And uh, who they are is their uh, association that will assign... Uh, and uh, I guess Real quick, the CFC is the Canadian Float Collective. I, I realize we didn't, didn't explain that. So Lance is part of the Canadian yes, Float Collective. Yes, the Canadian Float Collective, which is a non-profit association to um, just unify the industry everywhere. And we're hoping to get approval through the NHPC for to get floating covered by insurance. So there's uh, quite a bit of information we need to put together and um, submit to them. So hopefully that will be done this week. And we'll just carry on with the lengthy <laughs> process <laughs> then. So You are ahead of us in the United States, let me tell you. That's amazing that you're even at that stage. Very cool. Yeah, we've just, I guess, just had some good opportunities. And, um, you know, Trika has done some great, Trika, one of our board members, have uh, has done a great job um, really seeing where we, what we had to do to make this cool. possible. So <laughs> cool. um, we locked out. Luck, yeah. I don't <laughs> know if I believe in luck anymore. <laughs> yeah, what is luck? So I want to play a, a speak pipe here. Um, I, I don't think I need to give it any setup because I think he describes everything he, he needs to in the speak pipe, but uh, let me go ahead and play this. Hey, what's up guys? This is Matt from the Float Experience out in Temecula, California. First, I just wanted to thank you guys for starting this podcast. Uh, it's been great being able to listen to your ideas and uh, trials and errors, and it's definitely given me a lot of uh, extra inspiration and motivation to you know try some new things at our center. So. Um, appreciate it. I just finished up the episode on memberships and float length. Uh, so I just wanted to share with you guys, currently we are running 60 minute floats um, and we have been since we opened about a year and a half ago. And the decision behind that was uh, just, we had two tanks only. Um, and we wanted to be able to accommodate as many people as we could in a day. Uh, and so the 60 minute uh, seemed good for our demographic. Uh, people are, are extremely busy and before we open, well, anytime we talk to someone about uh, how long they'd be in the tank, they kind of cringed when we said 90 minutes. Um, but now I think that since we've been floating people for so long, they really understand that uh, a longer float time would, would be more beneficial to them. So. After listening to what you guys had to say, um, specifically what Lance had to say in regards to clients getting out um, early when they did 60 minute floats, but when they bumped it up to 90, there was uh, less people getting out early. And I think that's a huge point. I think that uh, a lot of people need that extra 30 minutes to, to really kind of maybe get through that challenging point uh, in their mind. So. I think that made some good points and uh, we are definitely considering um, bumping our floats up to 90 minutes. We have our third tank on the way right now and we are trying to have that up and running within the next two or three months. So we're actually considering um, doing what you guys did at the Float Shack, Lance, and uh, just bringing our floats up to just 90 minutes. Uh, I think that uh, it's going to create a better experience for our floaters. So just wanted to let you guys know what we're doing over here. And uh, again, thank you for doing what you're doing. Awesome. Well, thank you, Matt, at the Float Experience. What a great speak pipe. And Lance, he mentions you a few times. I'll hand it off to you. What do you think? Yeah, that was awesome. It's great to to listen to people's what yeah. they're doing. And, and, you know, it's it's we're always listening to each other. But when you get to hear outside float centers, that's even makes me feel warm and fuzzy. But, and Lance no, is it's cold. Great. We did. Yeah, um, it takes a lot. I'm really cold. It's yeah. snowy here. I'm wearing a tube right now, actually. That's how cold I am. Uh, no, in uh, the beginning of 2016, we switched our floats from 60 to 90-minute floats. Um, for the first year and a half, we ran both of those, and we were getting more 60 minutes than 90-minute floats. Um, but once we switched, we did see um, a lot less people getting out earlier, whether it's just 
people think they know what an hour is. They just they're they think they're comfortable with an hour. They think, oh well, you know, it's already ten thirty. I'm already halfway through. I might as well just get out. But with a ninety minute flow, it's like, well, you know, I'm paying for ninety <laughs> minutes. I might as well, you know, stick it out. And then they fall into that beautiful yeah. state or something. I don't know what it is. I haven't got, you know, I haven't dug for feedback. I should say, mm -hmm. but um, people. When they come in, they book a float, not a 60 or a 90. We don't even put a time on it. It's around an hour and a half there in the tank. And um, we've it's just been great for us. Simplified everything, and everyone seems to be loving it. Nice. So, so thanks, Matt. Best of luck to you. I'm sure, uh, well, I hope you have uh, as good as luck as we have with mm. uh, switching to 90 minutes. That's fantastic. Hi, Matt, by the way. Uh, Matt, at it float x uh, he and jen and mark and i all went through our apprenticeship together and uh they are he and jen are just lovely lovely people and are going to do some amazing amazing things <laughs> nice. so cool it's so great to hear him yeah uh, i'm doing some good stuff i met them i want to say two years ago <clears throat> and uh i can't believe they've been open for a year and a half that's amazing yeah well we're talking about celebrating Congratulations, you guys. Congratulations on being open a year and a half. And, Indeed. Um, Yay, congratulations. congratulations. On, on the third tank coming in, too. Ooh, and leave another speak pipe when at, at some point during construction, too. I, I just want to I want to hear your updates, too, or maybe after you open, maybe anything you've learned, anything like that. I'd, I'd love to hear about that as well. You know, uh, we've always done 90, and I... We rarely have people leave early, and I never really thought about that way until Lance brought that up last week. Uh, we have people all the time very, very concerned about 90 minutes. And the way we deal with it was like, you know what? You have 90 minutes if you want to get out early. No problem. I know Mark often will suggest, you know, you're feeling restless. Get on out. Take a shower. You know, take a sip of water. Go back in. Relax again. And it's true. Once they get back in or once they kind of get over that hump that's where all the magic happens so um i we've had 90 minute floats from the beginning we rarely have anyone get out early and i'm hoping it works out well for matt too with three tanks i think that's gonna that's gonna be a fantastic schedule and his clients will appreciate especially since they uh since they have that one hour now they're gonna be they're gonna be loving that yeah interesting that um what do you think about the part where he said people are very busy around here people 60 minute just kind of makes more sense for that lifestyle well i admit i thought about that when we started mm -hmm. but oh, um and the intimidation factor of 90 versus 60. yeah I, I definitely people are, that. yeah people do cringe people do get concerned uh i you know if they really press on it you know i, I remind or tell them our experience is that people when they get out of the tank they, they can't believe it's been 90 minutes mm -hmm. consistently. Mm -hmm. No <laughs> one believes they've been in there for 90 minutes. It can't possibly have been 90 minutes. Um, like, just trust the experience. Just give it a try. Can't hurt. Right. And you can get out, like I said, remind me, get out at any time. It's their float. They can do whatever they want. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so true. Yeah, I think that's funny. You said people are so busy, like they're more comfortable with 60 minutes, but they're so busy. We think we know what 60 minutes ah. is. We we know we can define what 60 minutes feels like. It's two, it's, you know, one episode of TV. Mm -hmm. It's this, it's that. But a 90 minutes, it's so unfamiliar to the body. What else do you do that's 90 minutes long? There's not very much in our everyday life that we do for 90 minutes. So I think that's what sort of throws you for a loop once you take away the confines of time in the float tank because i just think it's magical nice um that reminds me um we encourage people to use the float tank facilitators page on facebook um if anybody's not a part of that basically that's where anybody can talk about float related topics kind of kind of behind the scenes so it's not um about how much we love floating it's more so about um just again just the behind the scenes stuff and um after this episode there was a discussion that was going on and, and some people had talked about floats that would go on whatever length of time that they felt like it should be and then somebody could float after that i don't know how you schedule that that it doesn't compute for me but there are float centers out there that are trying things that are very different than than the standard things that we're doing so um if anybody has any input on that or if that's what you're running i would love to know a little bit more about that um if, if you want to leave a speak pipe, that's awesome. Tweet us. We'll, we'll um, read it that way as well. But I'd be very interested. 
And just to play, I don't know if this is devil's advocate or not, but um, not even to say 60 or 90 is better, but maybe the idea that we think we have the right amount of time is naive um, just because it's still, you know, floating technically isn't new. I mean, I would argue it's still a relatively new thing even from the, the 60s, but uh, like the research is very new that's going on and just in the history of humans in a very, very small blip. I wonder, I just, I wonder what the, the truest correct quote unquote amount of time is and if that will evolve over time as our culture changes as perceptions to floating changes i'm curious if that could change as well um i just i wonder it'd be amazing if we just nailed it 90 minutes is the right amount of time well you look at our rem sleep cycles and they're in 90 minute cycles that's what Hmm. i always compare it to that's why sometimes when i go into the float tank and i don't use any timers or alarms or anything i can go in i can feel where i'm at i go into that wonderful state of pure bliss and nothing nothingness and then i come to my waking state and i feel i'm done i'm I'm awake i'm recharged i'm done i get out it's usually plus or minus 10 minutes to that 90 minute mark that so have we hit it on the head that is a really good but amy you look like you want to say something i I was gonna say uh, you know i i do i i love my 90 minutes i am hesitant to do any less myself it's just not what I enjoy but we are all different human beings and I know some people who uh, like I'm gonna bring in my uh, my uh, partner Mark he does not like long floats he (laughs) but he'll he'll float more often than anybody in this in the center but his floats are 45 minutes to an hour but that's just him Uh and that's what he's comfortable with now he'll float four times a week doing that but um, you know so I, I almost almost wonder can we ever Sure, for everybody. everybody? Of course not. I mean, just like I run hot, um, other people run cool. Just everybody's bodies, physiology, everything's going to be different between all of us for sure. I have to say, Lance, when you said you kind of just are done around the 90-minute mark, when we first opened, it was amazing how many people would say, I, I... I was just done and then I heard the music come on or I was just stepping out of the float tank and the music started playing. (laughs) And now four years in, I have to be like, whoa, really? (laughs) Uh, I, I, I just, I have to say, yeah, that is extremely common. That that's really common. I hear that a lot. That's a really good point. And I, I don't know if it's exactly what you described. Um, that's causing it, but there is something that means we, we have this clicking point that we're, or the, the timer's done on this rest um, around that time. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Anything else you guys want to say about Matt's uh, speak pipe? I want to say thank you. Speak pipes are so much fun. Yeah, yeah, they <laughs> are fun. Um, the next one was a actually a private message to the Art of Floating Facebook page, and I shared it with Amy and Lance, and... Um, I guess I'll read it here. Um, Hi, Art of Floating. I don't know if you've addressed this, but in my quest to listen to more podcasts where people talk about their personal experience of floating, I keep coming across negative or lackluster reviews from people who tried it with music piped in and or the lights on. Apparently, some float centers don't care about the sensory deprivation aspect of this. I'd love to hear you all discuss this phenomenon. Well, what do you guys think about that? I got to say, when I brought this up, Lance had a whole lot to say about it. The, yeah, this is this is just, Lance's topic right here. My phone wouldn't shut off. It was it kept lighting up. <laughs> I can't say I read it all, Lance. <laughs> but that's why we do the show, right? I'm just gonna sit back and yeah. listen to the listen to him ex- <laughs> talk about this. So. Well, I'll tell you this. I I care a lot about the sensory mm-hmm. deprivation aspect. We worked very hard at making sure our rooms have no light coming in. Our tanks have no light coming in. There's no sound through our tanks. Um, sensory deprivation is a huge aspect of what we do with flotation therapy. Um, but is that the end all be all of what we do, sensory deprivation? No, I don't believe so. Like Amy said, with the, the length of float or the time float, each and every one of us are different. Um, if someone comes in and they want to leave the light on when they float or the door open, I'm not going to send them away. I'm not going to tell them, no, they can't do that. They have to they have to experience sensory deprivation. I don't believe that's right. I believe there's so many wonderful benefits that come from floating and a thousand pounds of Epsom salt, decompressing, get away from gravity, being with your mind, tuning those distractions out. You can have lights on, you can have music on. 
it may not be the exact same experience you're going to get with sensory deprivation. You may not, you know, get to those states of consciousness or, you know, to that, that far in your mind. But there are so many other benefits that come. I don't believe we have to, as an industry, tie this down to sensory deprivation. I think when we started shifting how we speak of what we do from sensory deprivation to flotation is because we are seeing there's a lot more benefits than just sensory deprivation. Um, I recently read a great article from Think Tank. Um, Joe Daniels, they're actually a center opening up in, I, I believe it's Newport, Kentucky. But um, the, it's a, a blog that just came out. It's called Floating is Not Sensory Deprivation. And he does a great job explaining how you are in complete control of your environment and if you choose to leave music on you can if you choose to leave lights on you can um not saying you have to run your center this way but i believe every single person is different and if they want to come in and you know pay us for a 90 minute float and listen to an audiobook or listen to some hoot nanny country music they they're certainly allowed to do that and i'm not going to turn them away from doing that but if they also want to clutch close that door and have complete silence and complete nothingness they can certainly do that as well or a flotation studio not only a sensory deprivation studio that's my opinion on that Uh, (laughs) but how do you really feel lance i want to know how you really feel yeah (laughs) nice i feel i just don't want i don't want sorry i'm going to tell you how i really feel man all right all right let it out um i feel like the first um I don't want the industry to define itself and what it has to be. Um, noticing how a lot of people are attending um, a certain float conference every year, um, the same views are sort of being pushed on those people year after year, but there are th- hundreds of people thinking outside of those traditional views of flotation. And like I said, I just don't want this industry to start defining itself and saying, this is what we are, this is what we do. When every single float center, there's no rules to how you run your float center. There aren't any rules. Do it how you'd like. Do it what your customers like. Um, do what feels best for you. Help the most people you can. If someone doesn't want to get into the tank because it's too dark, you know, how naive would it be to say no? You you have to be in that darkness, you know. <laughs> ah, the Canadian finally comes out. Good. I'm We're like, waiting for Here's that. my yeah, passionate yeah, sorry. speech. Sorry. Was... <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Uh, now I have to say I agree with I agree with a lot of that. Um I I personally think one of the best things about the float tank is the opportunity to experiment. You're in a totally new environment and you have an opportunity to find uh what works for you or how things affect you I think that's part of the fun I think that's part of the exploration I think that's something that people don't do uh, very much in their everyday life they don't spend a whole lot of time understanding what they like or really taking the time to feel um, what music you know music can register in our bodies we have a we have a client who plays the didgeridoo and the reason he plays it and the reason he loves it so much is the vibration just uh, travels through the tank and he loves the way that it affects his body and so you know we get to discover fun things like that um, through experimentation in the tank I, uh, I think it's important and I think it's at least at our center we, we encourage it quite a bit actually and we do encourage them to try to to try it at some point to see how their body reacts differently to a more traditional float tank ex, you know sensory deprivation as much as you can um, in the uh, in the tank you know we want to see what happens at that point but by all means try it out see what happens see what feels good mm. find that that spot that works for you so I think Lance brought up something additional so there I think there are two things one is the idea of just other sensory input in the float tank and then the idea of is this sensory input at all um, and, and just kind of that that definition I guess as far as the first thing goes I very consistently when we first opened would um, give people what they wanted they want music we'll, we'll play music and very consistently they would say ah oh, I see why you recommended no no audio um, I think there is a purity to that first float um, to understand what floating is and to put um, 
neon racing stripes on it or to distract from the purity of what this thing is makes it not what it is anymore. There is this beautiful experience that we've created and when somebody first goes in there and yeah I think if you enjoy music and if you enjoy listening to the didgeridoo in a float tank more power to you we you do it do what you want absolutely but I think there's a little bit of an obligation from the float center to try to gear somebody to have to understand internally by through experience what that reduction of sensory input or however you want to define it what that is what that float tank is designed to deliver because it's a very special very unique thing and it's something that happens when your brain doesn't have to process balance it doesn't have to process gravity light sound all these things that are lighting up a brain throughout the day it gets to completely quiet down and it brings you to a very special place mind you I don't tell somebody to turn out the light as soon as they get into the float tank uh, turn it off when you're comfortable you're supposed to be you can't go deep into a parasympathetic state if you're not feeling safe and comfortable you can't go into that deep rest state so you know encouraging them to go at their own pace and maybe it doesn't even happen in their first float but gearing it towards going to that place if you're playing um hoot nanny jamboree during your first float you're not <laughs> you're missing something really special in my opinion of of what the float tank is designed to deliver now, if you want to listen to the Hootenanny Jamboree, your second float, I think that's great. I, I have no problem with that. Um, but, but I would strongly encourage people to, to not have lights and LEDs and these other things that, in my opinion, really distract from the purity of what we're, what we're trying to represent as the float industry. Kind of going to that other thing you were talking about. What, what do you think about that? No, I totally agree with you, Dylan. And I let me back up a bit and say every time I walk a customer through for for their first float, I don't even tell them they get music. There's it is a full quiet experience. But floating is something, as you all know, it does take practice. And as you do it, you mm -hmm. see what works for you and what doesn't work for you. Um, if someone comes back their second or third time and they want to request um, audio or yeah. a book or something, cool. we can definitely do that. Or if they want to leave lights on, but the first time, um, you know, we tell them. Actually, what we do is uh, we play music for about the first 10 minutes. I believe in transition. I believe it's a hectic world out there. As soon as they walk into the door of our float center, they tune down a level. We bring them back to the float room, they're down a level. They get in the shower, they're down a level. And then once they get in the float tank, instead of going completely to their mind, there's some music that helps, you know, sort of slowly fade out and bridge them to that, that point of nothingness. But after that music shuts off, there's nothing. And they come out and sometimes they'll say, oh, it was good until the music shut off and then I got scared or uncomfortable and had to open the door. And, you know, that could be due to past traumas or childhood experiences or anything. We've each experienced different aspects of this world. And some people have some stuff back there that they don't necessarily want to dig up. But if they feel it is beneficial and they come back, but they do want that music on that they can shut off or play for halfway through, I think there's benefit to that as well. It's, it's transitioning them in to that state of sensory deprivation. Um, maybe some other centers run it differently and they play, you know, EDM music with flashing strobe lights the whole time. But um, I, I do agree with you. I think the as, as facilitators, we need to guide them to the sensory deprivation experience. Amy? So uh, the way that we do it, once again, uh, when, we, when they come in for the first time, we do not mention anything about that they can have music or anything unless they bring it up uh, we don't mention it the way that we introduce it is if they sign up for a three series we actually have a uh, an autoresponder set up an email autoresponder that basically just uh, it, it goes comes out once a week to them um, the first one talks about their float experience how they can kind of control it what they you know if, if you are uncomfortable if you're cold please let us know that's mm. those sort of things and about the third email that goes out, it talks about some other options to try into the tank. So by that point, oh, they've usually floated at least two, uh, to th two to three times. Wow. Uh, and then they they have the option. Of course, they, they bring it up to us. So we don't mention it. But um, I do think it's part of uh, an important part of the float experience. But it is good to know what, a, what, uh, what it's like to be in quiet. But it's not something everybody always needs. Wow, so we're all in pretty, 
pretty solid agreement on this. That the yeah. first float should at least demonstrate yeah. kind of the power of this tool, and then from there you can just kind of take what you want, and leave the rest. And I would say eighty-five to ninety percent of people that are floating with us are floating sure, in complete sure. nothingness. But I don't ever want to shut down the options to make someone comfortable like you said when we spoke about the neck pillow a few episodes back we want to give them all the tools possible so they have the best experience they can um i believe lights and you know sound is is just a tool that you, can you bridge talk about like lights as in or even the music as as comfort to to like to feel safe but mm-hmm. uh, also i'm sure you're also talking about um like we had a skier float with us in our floatarium float tank and I think I brought this up on a previous show, but he goes, oh, I floated in this tank before. He used to watch uh, his own ski runs on the TV, on the, the this glass pane on the top of our Floatarium float tank. You know, not this exact one, but um, he, he would go watch himself going down the mountain over and over and over on these, I forget what they're called, bunny, bunny slopes or whatever, eh, whatever. Anyway, um, I asked him if he thought it was valuable or if it helped, and he just, he said, absolutely absolutely so mm-hmm. yeah if we were to already say this is what a float is and this is what the benefits are then we're already negating other potential benefits um, that apparently people have already even discovered so yeah maybe we should keep an open mind yeah not not everyone is going into the float tank mm. for the same reason I don't know if anybody you know, not, is. You know <laughs> someone that wants to go there yeah someone that wants to go in there and to meditate is someone that's different than someone with parkinson's or fibromyalgia that's yeah. floating for pain right like if they're getting pain relief with lights on, you know, right. so be totally. it. <laughs> You're achieving your goal there. Um, and I think, yeah, being, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced, we work with other, with some yoga studios in, in town here where they have actually got some guided meditations for us so if you're working with a specific yoga instructor you can actually hear that yoga instructor do a guided meditation for the first 20 minutes of your float people Mm. love that that puts them right into the state they need to be it helps them you know release all the tension in their body follow their breathing listen their heart rate and yeah you know that's really cool nice um (laughs) by the way that that message was from emily so emily hopefully we we uh, gave you the answer you're maybe not the answer you're looking for, but we definitely gave our opinions on that. And um, and it, you know, it's I guess it's a little vague from the question, but I don't know if it was necessarily first-time floaters that was having that experience. And so, if it is first-time floaters that are having negative experiences, then then um, yeah, I these three podcasters <laughs> believe that they they should be maybe ushered more towards that quote-unquote deprivation experience rather than having lights and music and and when she says lights i didn't even just think of lights on but i know there can be like like you said the edm hues like 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 lights changing colors um, and and flashing in the float tank and um you don't like our float tanks sorry our float tanks don't have any lights in them we have the oasis tank so when i mean lights on people leave Uh the room lights on or dim them and that will be sure. enough to leave the door open a little mm-hmm. bit and get light in. It's not directly in the tank for us. So, so um, mm-hmm. as far as float centers not caring about the sensory dep- deprivation aspect, if it's more like what Lance is talking about, then then I'd have to disagree because I, I think we all care very passionately about it. But um, but it has to it has to be right for that person, and they have to feel control. We'll throw it in the show notes here, but um, this is a great blog write-up, and he's he has a few blog write-ups here on sensory deprivation um, with Think Tank, Joe Daniels there, um, unwindwithus.com. Yeah, it's um, I encourage everyone to give You'd that a read, you recognize him too. if you ever saw him at the float conference. He's a walking muscle. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's getting close to opening up, too. I've been following him since um, last conference, and cool. he's doing some great things. I'm nice. very excited very for Very nice guy, too. Which is a pretty common statement from people you, you meet at the float conference. It's it's a pretty mm-hmm. pretty good crew, but he's also he's he's one of the good ones for sure. Is there anything else that you guys wanted to share tonight? I don't think so. I just want to say stay tuned. Um, we will be running a fundraiser for CFC. We'll be announcing that next episode. They'll just be uh, trying to get the association some funds to run you know the web server, the graphics design, the, all the administration and insurance and that kind of stuff. It's it's really hard doing a nonprofit association, especially when you're doing uh, when we're all startup entrepreneurs and we all got our own things on the go. Coming out of our pocket makes it really hard because it's we are here to benefit the entire industry. So, 
Stay tuned next. Yeah, stay tuned <laughs> next episode for that CFC. one. Huh, you can tell we're winding down, hey? <laughs> CFC Float Shack podcast. Other, I know you do some other things. Full time job. This is why Lance buries me when I say how busy I am. <laughs> he just buries me. <laughs> Amy, is there anything else you wanted to cover tonight? Uh, well, next week uh, is going to be exciting, I think, for a few of us. Uh, next week, I'll know whether or not we can actually move forward. And yeah. I'm really looking forward, actually, to sharing Build Out uh, because I've learned so much from, from y'all in, uh, in just the last few months we've been together. So I'm looking forward to dissecting Build Out in the future cool, and right. learning more. Um, can we just start the show with, with the answer next week? Can we just cut right to it? No <laughs> teaser. Heck yeah. No teaser. Awesome. <laughs> It'll just be a big yes or uh, no. Yeah, I know, right? You won't even know unless you listen to this episode what it what it means. Oh, I'm excited. I'm too. It's just exciting things are just always happening. I I just love it with this with this community. Um, find us on Facebook. The Art of Floating uh, is what you'd want to type in. It's the name of our Facebook page. Artful Floating is where you can find us on Twitter. Um, we'll always get back to you on there. I'm working on making sure Amy and Lance are able to um, respond to the Twitter as well. So it's not just me doing responses, but it's really this, this collective. And, and, you know, we'll put our initials in to make sure that you know who's, who's responding. Uh, but they are, are on the Facebook page now as well. Um, and um, again, leave a speak pipe if you have any more opinions on 60, 90 minute floats or, or any other type of floats. Um, and the upcoming episodes, we're going to be talking about logos. We're going to be talking about software that we use. So if you want to get a, um, give us a, your opinions on those or what you use, we'd love to um, hear what you have to say, and we'll play those during the shows when, when we talk about those things. So until next week, we'll see you soon. Listening to the Art of Floating podcast.